Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. Friends, welcome back to the show. Today, we it's it's kind of a weird thing because we've got, what, what do you call this episode, Jay? Newsworthy without Norrisworthy. Yeah, it, well, we'll tell you more about Newsworthy without Norrisworthy in just a second. But first, let me tell you about Come and See. Now, Jay... You kind of fashion yourself as a musical person. You're, you're an artist. Yeah, I, I'm a recovering musician. Recovering. Let me tell you what you might like. I think everyone will like it, but ever, especially musicians. Come and See is an immersive surround sound audio treatment of the life and teachings of Jesus. Do I have you hooked right there? Immersive surround sound audio treatment of the life and teachings of Jesus. I always, want to, I always want to get you paid, so the answer is yes. Okay. The listener is dropped into the middle of the story as one of his first followers. It gives the listeners an opportunity to experience what it might have been like to actually follow Jesus when he was on the earth. The entire project is three volumes with a projected runtime of six to eight hours. The first three chapters of Volume 1 are already available for download. Those who pre-order will receive access to all the chapters as they're released. What makes this unique is the only version of the life and teachings or life of Jesus that treats the listeners as a participant in the story and includes every word and deed of Jesus from the four Gospels within one overarching narrative. Now, newsworthy with Norsworthy listeners, including, I guess, newsworthy without Norsworthy listeners, this one episode, you still get it. A 25% discount simply by using the coupon Luke. Do you know how to spell Luke, Jason? Yeah, I got it. L-U-K-E. Got it. Exactly. That's exactly right. You type that in, you get a discount. The price for pre-ordering the entire three-volume project drops from $20 to $15. For more information, go to the show notes. All right, Jay. We're about to come and see what happens when we let you run an interview. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So we talked about this. um, You know, during the holidays, I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to take a break. And Jay's like, you know, you've done some podcast interviews. You've never released any. And That's right. yeah, somehow a, we were talking to, yeah. yeah, somehow you're like, I would love to do a podcast. And I was like, you know what? I, you know, I might take a Sunday or a week off with the holidays. And I thought, you know, it'd be better than that. Let's not just give them nothing. Let's give them some J time. Oh, that was really nice of you. Yeah. And so you said you want to do this. And I was like, all right, I figured the conversations would be boring interviews because they're not like I didn't do them, but I've actually listened <laughs> and it's a pretty substantially solid conversation. That means a lot. Thank you. Who? Okay. Tell me who this 10th Avenue Northwest guy is. <laughs> 10th Avenue North, yeah. A uh, good friend of mine named Mike Donahue. Uh, he's the front man of a band called 10th Avenue North. Um, we talk about kind of who they are and what they've done on the, in the interview. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I've met one of, maybe the Keys player? Yeah, Brendan Shirley right. was at uh, the event that I refused to describe the way you call it. Jason you, Palooza. Yeah. Jason Palooza. He <laughs> yeah, was he a was fine there. chap. And uh, he and his wife? Yeah, his wife, Nina. Yeah, 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 Brennan yeah. and Nina yeah. were there. Nice people. Very nice yeah. people. Uh, okay, so you got this guy on there. He is a uh, front man for a band that what, had the most played song in Christian music on Christian radio last year. Or this, 20, year. this year, yeah. Yep. That was a song called Control. Control. Yep. Awesome. And so he talks about this new project they're working on and some other stuff. Do people need to know anything else about him? Uh, I mean, Mike's a really thoughtful guy. One thing I appreciate as we've gotten to know each other is, um, like, he's the guy, every time I run into him, he's, he's, he's reading some kind of theology. He's, he's, mm-hmm. he's a really thoughtful guy, and I think um, it can be really fun to hear the, the thought behind the music. 
that yeah. a lot of people are consuming on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. 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 Thoughtful guy. One of the metaphors he uses is uh, if there's a pastor who gets up and says, I don't struggle with anything, then all of a sudden he's just going to check out and have no interest for him. Uh, yeah. And so the metaphor he used was like a, a captain. Like he can't follow a captain who's not going to be honest. And so yeah. as the captain of this podcast, I want to say like, are you scared that Jay's <laughs> going to be leading this interview without me? Yeah, we're both scared about it. <laughs> but I want you to know, I ventured into the deep dark abyss and I've come out on the other side and said, it's worth it. So st- stay. I mean, you don't have to listen to the whole thing, but listen. Would to- you say that you have to lose your expectations of me to save your faith in me? Look at you. Jay, you know what? Selfless plugs of my book are the reason you get to do this. <laughs> I figure when he was talking about like expectations and pastors being honest, you're like, this would have been a great time to hand a copy of my friend Luke's book to you so you I, can go read it. I actually was thinking, I, I was seriously thinking there's a lot of resonance between your book and what we were talking about on this episode. I, yeah, yeah I, I really thought so too. And there's some other themes that he picks up about politics and being able to disagree without like being like hateful to each other, the, the mm-hmm. power of listening um yeah i think there's good stuff in here so people yeah, enjoy if, this if your listeners want context they should hit pause right now and go listen to this little six track ep called uh, things we've been afraid to say and then uh go listen to the interview and then they'll have lots of context i mean that's a lot of work that's a lot of work <laughs> or yeah, you just... I, my assumption about your listeners is that they're the creme de la creme man they are they're the you hard workers you... wow jay not only are you sucking up to me but to the listeners i <laughs> You know how to win people. Well, you know why I think that about your listeners? Because you're one of them. (laughs) (laughs) So you're really just talking about yourself. That's all that is. That's all that is. No, man, I I, I believe that about your crew. Um, Yeah, we also got to record. uh, My buddy Robbie is in Nashville. So I was down in Nashville for the interview, and uh, my buddy Robbie is a photographer, and he let us use his studio for the night, which was really nice. Uh, Fun little background. Reba McIntyre was there a couple hours before we got there shooting her album cover. Reba. Yeah, so there was some good, uh, some good Music City mojo in the house. <laughs> is okay. Is this the photographer who drove to South Bend? It is, man. Yeah, Robbie. Oh. Uh, when my beloved dog got a, con- a cancer diagnosis, uh, he drove seven hours and surprised me. Knocked on my f- front door, and he took pictures of me and my pup for a couple of days. Yeah, oh. he's a good dude, so Robbie Klein. A- yeah. Yeah. So if yeah, and he's legit. Like he's doing substantial people. Like he's Reba, done like man. JT? Reba, Justin Timberlake, Anthony Hopkins. He's got some great shots of Donald Glover, Childish Gambino. Um, yeah, he does a ton of music and film industry. Right on. Well, thank you to him for letting us use the studio. I mean, I wasn't there, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you thank were there. You. Yeah. In yep. spirit. In spirit. Yep. Well, Jay, I think we. I think people know what they're going to get now. So. Yeah, thanks for letting us do this, man. It was really fun. I hope that everybody enjoys it. Get ready for some may- mayhem with Miller. Mayhem with Miller. Mayhem, some newsworthy without noiseworthy mayhem with Miller. Yeah. Perfect. This meditations with Miller. I like that. That's better. Enjoy. Uh, all right. Hey, uh, this is a, wait for it, newsworthy without noiseworthy. Um, we're recording at Taylor House Studio uh, here in East Nashville. Thanks to our good friend, Robbie Klein. The uh, Thanks, prolific Robbie. entertainment photographer and Mike Donahue is here. I am. Hello. <laughs> Mike, uh, thank you for being here, man. I know that you've had a long day. Two rehearsals? You know, that's what I do. Tell us what you were rehearsing for. I was rehearsing for a very strange musical pageantry explosion that we do at Christmas time every year called Decade the Halls. What, what is that? Uh, it, it's, a, um, it's a tour and a record where we explore... Uh, the last hundred years of popular music and Christmas carols and genre 
And uh, just musically? Uh, and costume, costumally? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the word? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of dancing. There's a lot of costume changing. There's puppetry. I have a Muppet. I did not know that. Kenneth the Christmas Yeti. <laughs> he sounds like this. Hey, I'm Kenneth. You know, so. Is this the second year you've done this? I'm a bit loopy because I was rehearsing all day. Uh, it is. It, well, it's the third time we've done it. It's the second year we've done the tour. Anyway. But yeah. Love it. Uh, so people can go see you guys in December. They can. What part yeah. of the country well, are you touring? We're just in like North Midwest. So we're like in Fargo. We're in Minneapolis. We're in sioux falls we're in lincoln nebraska so you just thought you would pick the most weather difficult part of the country during that's christmas right. that's the exact tour? that's the exact thing okay. that's what you do good, good luck with that that's yeah, awesome thanks um man so you're uh, in a band called 10th avenue north yes. uh listeners will know you guys for songs like by your side uh love is here mm-hmm. those are a couple of the sort of standout songs that people might yeah. know you for right lately uh there's a song we had called control yeah okay which was the most played song in christian radio of 2018 was it really apparently congratulations i I, thanks i was really shocked by that news uh i i love being in a christian band though or i say quote-unquote christian band you know christian's not a great adjective but uh because either it's really impressive to people or completely (laughs) Completely makes no impact at all (laughs) it's like hey what's up what do you do i'm in a plane right oh i make i play music oh what kind of music oh well you know songs about my faith and struggles to believe it what's that mean well it's christian music oh christian music and then it's either oh my mother loves that Uh or it's okay end of conversation I, do, I don't know if you have this. I do a thing on airplanes as a pastor where... Oh, yeah. You're a pastor. Like, you know. Like, I'll use the first... If the person's talkative, which I'm not really looking for, but if they are, I'll, like, use the first five minutes to try to figure out if I'm going to tell them I'm a pastor or I'll tell them I'm a social entrepreneur, <laughs> which is kind of true. I'm a church planter. Like, we started a new enterprise. That's like a nonprofit. so funny. Or I'll tell them I work in the nonprofit space. I'm not trying to hide anything, but, like, I don't want to freak them out because they're buckled in mm. next to me for the next... I. Two or three I hours have or amazing. I have a friend in Portland who's a pastor, and mm-hmm. he's also a bit of an entrepreneur. And he kind of answers it the same way because he had an experience where he was sitting next to a girl. She came and sat down next to him. She's like, "So what do you?" So he's like, "What do you do?" She's like, oh, "I'm an actress." Oh, what what have you been in? Oh, nothing. You've seen? No, no, no. I see a lot of movies. Like. And it turns out she was an adult film actress. Okay. And then she goes, what do you do? He's like, I'm a pastor. Uh, <laughs> you know, oh, no. so, made for a really interesting conversation. Yeah, I bet it did. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you guys have been around together as a band. Like you guys started in college. We did. 18 years ago. Is that right? <sighs> Closing in on 19. Yeah. Spring of 2000. Okay. This is our launch point. How many albums altogether? I don't know. Okay. That's great. <laughs> uh, uh, sh- sh- Seven, eight, nine, including independent records, like, I don't know, yeah. nine or ten. Yeah, okay. Something like that. And then you released uh, one called Things We've Been Afraid to Say. The, the Things. The, the Things We've the Been things Afraid to Say. The Things We've Been Afraid to Say. Yeah. When did you come out with that? Yes. It came out, uh, what is it, December? It came out in October. Okay. Just just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so this is an album where you talk about... Um, being attracted to other people as a married man and your wife. Yeah. Yep. You talk about, um, uh, political divides. You talk yes. about, um, failing to love. You talk about secrets. You talk about counterfeit, uh, promises from idols. Um, 
there's a lot of ground that you guys are covering there that yeah, yeah. doesn't like maybe fit into the typical pocket for a CCM. Yeah, definitely. Uh, contemporary Christian, the stuff you might hear on the radio. Yes. So I'd love to like just start with like what brought you to a point where you thought, let's do an album that may or may not get any airplay and may or may not be what the label wants and is underrepresented in the industry. Yes. Let's talk yes. about that. It, will, it started with... Uh, my bandmate and I just wrote this song called Covenant. He had this groove, and I had just read this Madeline Engel poem. She, you know, she wrote Wrinkle in Time, yeah. author. And she is writing this poem to her husband about admitting that she was really attracted to this other guy at a writer's conference. And she almost goes to bed with him. But instead of going to bed with him, she leaves him at the door of the hotel room, and nothing, nothing happens. And her takeaway isn't, oh my gosh, I'm so ashamed that I had these feelings for this other guy, but it was this celebration of the fact that having those feelings for someone else and not indulging in them, but like choosing to go back to her husband wasn't a drudgery to her. It actually made what she had with her husband in her eyes even better. Mm. And so I said, man, that would make an amazing song content. So we wrote this song and then we kind of looked at each other and went, man, you know what stinks is no one's going to want to listen to this <laughs> on gonna Christian radio. Yeah. And then we had written this other song called Counterfeits, which was kind of about pornography, basically. And it's like, man, yeah, they're not going to play this on Christian radio either. And then we, we were writing a song in Minneapolis with a producer friend of ours and uh, we just started writing and the, the groove, I just started spitting, it was right around the election time, so I started singing about the hate of between left and right and Republicans and Democrats and I'm like, man, well, no one's going to want to play this song on Christian radio. And uh, before we knew it, I was like, guys, I think we got a theme going here, <laughs> so let's just yeah. like really embrace it, it and yeah. just do a whole, and we didn't even do a full length record because we felt like we no one would definitely be able to listen to all of that. So yeah. we did an EP, so shortened mm-hmm. records, just a little six song guy. And, uh, um, yeah, I think the, the, the final straw was I was reading Luke chapter six and in the message, Jesus is addressing the Pharisees and he says, uh, you know, you think your job is to be popular and it's not your job is to tell the truth. Hmm. And I would love to tell you that the same reasons I write songs uh, or the same reasons I was writing songs 18 years ago is the same reasons I'm writing songs now. And the truth is, no, All now I'm like worried about making enough money to feed my kids. Uh-huh. And I'm worried yeah. about just like the selling of music is so much more important to me. So 18 years ago, it doesn't really have that burden because it you nobody wanted at the prospect of making a living off of it. Yeah. Nobody yeah. wanted to listen to what I was writing anyway, mm-hmm. you know, so there was no pressure, mm-hmm. but then as people start to like what you make, suddenly that feeling of your art being appreciated bleeds into why you start making it. Mm-hmm. And suddenly the art that you just made tell the truth or explore some doubts or struggles within yourself. Suddenly you go, Ooh, I want to explore that, but I also want that feeling of everybody liking it again. Yeah. Cause that's awesome. Yeah. So this was kind of a trying as we best we could returning back to, let's just tell the truth. R- really the songs I write, uh, there's a, the verse in Psalm 49 where David says, I inclined my ear to wisdom and with the music of the lyre, I will solve my riddle. 
And I've always loved that as a starting point for writing songs. Is at the end of the day, I'm just trying to unriddle myself. Yeah, yeah. So in a, so in that regard, this has some continuity with what you've been doing. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. In that regard, yeah. But so I, I tell you know I don't know if I think all music genres are this way, but a lot of people talk about Christian radio and how it's a box. Oh, you got to be in this box, Christian radio. I go whoa whoa. Pop music, there's a box. Americana music, there's a box. Country music, there's a box. Rap music, there's a box. Um, Some are larger than others. And I never try to write for that box. I look at myself, and let's be honest, I'm a box. Hmm. I only have so many experiences. My IQ is so and so. I grew up, you know, I have all these experiences that kind of make me into who I am. Like I can't write from first person of being an Indian boy in the slums of Calcutta. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I've been to India, but I can't write from that place. Right. So I'm writing from a narrow viewpoint. So I explore my box and whichever parts of my box overlap with the quote unquote box of Christian radio and music. Those are the songs that end up going on the record. Mm-hmm. Right. So I never feel disingenuous but there is part of me that goes, there's this other whole part of me that I've written about that I would love to include. And this is just me trying to open up the box, even if it doesn't quite fit. Yeah. Be- between realizing, oh, we've got a theme here and let's pitch it to the label and make an album out of it. Between point A and point B, uh, you go, what did you think through or process, you or the band, about whether you really wanted to do this? Well, we did a listening event at our (laughs) label and we invited all these guys from different labels and you know um our our friend deborah from billboard game and guys from spotify and uh (laughs) several guys from different labels went man really respect what 10th is doing with this record really hope they didn't just ruin their career (laughs) oh wow yeah (laughs) and uh it was cool because Releasing the record, I actually said to our, our vice president, I said, man, I've never felt better about releasing a record because mm. I'm not worried about whether it's successful. Mm. And he made a good distinction. He said, no, you care that it's successful. You just redefined what success would look like for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, that's that's great. And uh, I'd, I'd written a song about sexual abuse on this record. And within a... 24 hours of the record being out, we've already had probably 25, 30 stories oh, wow. of girls saying, yeah. or, or, and guys, uh, you know, I haven't told anyone this, mm-hmm. but I really wish this song came out 10 years ago. Um, and so for me, I go, just helping those people remember they're not alone. Like, yeah. it's already successful. Yeah. Um, you said that was the like a label person who told you that uh, you changed definition of success. Yeah, yeah. And were you like, are you are you willing to change your definition? Like, can we do this together? Or <laughs> oh yeah, well he especially he's kind of a rogue agent at the la- at the okay. label because he kind of like is just an advisory position. Okay, so he he can he yeah, can, so he can speak in those sort of terms, and his job's not at stake if the bottom line doesn't work out. Yeah, yeah. All right, so a lot of listeners uh, may not. Uh, work with labels or whatever, right? Uh, right but right. but th- they might relate to um, like the temptation between being popular and telling the truth. They might relate to um, looking for 
like a three-dimensional spirituality out of their faith rather than like a narrow kind of only optimism belongs, only hope belongs. Oh, right? yeah, like, yeah. So like, I think there's a lot that's super relatable about this stuff. Um, I thought maybe we'd kick around a couple of the themes that show up in the, in, in the writing. Yeah. Because uh, I think that's where it really meets people in their experience. Um, so, for example, Covenant, which is the song that you write, you got inspired by that poem uh, from Madeline Lingle. Um, and I, I think maybe I've seen you in the teaching video talk about you and your wife admitting to each other after you got married that it's possible to feel a spark and have feelings for somebody else. Absolutely. Yeah. What was the first time you admitted that like? Oh, man. I I think it was one of those things where I think it probably was in a counseling session, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, and the counselor's going, well, you know, you can admit these things. It's like, oh, uh, I mean, I, I don't. I don't really think anyone, I don't, I didn't think anyone's, did you think you were trying? No, no, I didn't. Well, there's this one time. Wait, you did? Oh, actually me too. Wait, what? You know, like you're inching your way toward it. Absolutely. Is some Um, of that because you don't want to hurt each other? Like you're afraid that admitting that's going to. Oh, a hundred percent. I think so much of what we keep secret, it's, it's, it's not, um, maliciously intended. Mm -hmm. It's really just, we're, we're, Man, we're just trying to manage each other's feelings, aren't mm-hmm. we? Mm-hmm. Boy, do we do that. And uh and so it's like whew, it's tough to look at my wife and go, "No, no, no. I love you. I'm totally in love with you." Well, then why do you find this other girl attractive? Mm-hmm. You know? And um I re- I even remember when I came before I admitted to my wife coming to that conclusion, I you know, probably a year into marriage. And I'm going, wait, why am I still finding other women attractive? Like, I thought that was just going to turn off. And mm-hmm. I remember asking God, God, you should take this away from me. If you love me, you, you, you kind of owe this to me. Mm-hmm. Make this easier for me. And, and I felt as if God kind of said, well, no, I can't do that. Why not? Well, because then you won't actually ever get to love your wife. Wow. If there was no choice in the matter. Yeah. Yeah. then, you know, you don't celebrate people who've been married 50 years just because, well, I always felt like being married. Yeah. I always wanted to be with this person. It was so easy. I couldn't be attracted to anyone else. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, cool. Well, big deal. Yeah. Uh, I feel like um, when I've preached sometimes, so like I've, I've learned as a preacher sometimes that one of the things that some of people in the room want you to do for them, and they probably don't even realize it, is they want you um to either be sort of a, an icon of certainty so they don't have to face their own doubts or an icon of perfection so they don't have to face their own, like they project mm. a lot, right? They, so then like I've learned that sometimes when I confess something like, Hey, here's a struggle I've had or a, a way that I've, I'm falling down or whatever. Um, I've had people get really mad at me and I'll, about yeah. three seconds into the conversation, I'll realize, Oh, this is about some, something going on in you that you're running from. And my job was to help you keep running from it rather than to name it. So you put that in the room when you perform or you put that in the room with the label mm. people or whatever. Mm. Um, I'm curious, like, what did you first start to observe as far as like, what happened in the room when you start putting that out <laughs> well, there? I, the lighting guys were on this big tour with Mercy mm. Me. And I remember the first night we played Covenant. And I was kind of setting it up for, like, 
awe factor because I would go, I've been married 10 years, you know, the crowd. Oh, yeah, like sentimentality? Yeah. Like, yeah. I thought and you I, meant like no, no, no. in awe. Like, well, no, <laughs> I, I, well, no, I did. Or, sorry, okay. I did do a bit of a shock and awe because okay. I, I built them up like 10 years and got four girls. Yeah, and, yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, Like yeah. a pep rally and for I, yeah, marital and I, faithfulness and yeah, all and that. Yeah, and you know what's the craziest part is that I'm still able to be attracted to other women. And you... <laughs> This one time, there's this lady, my uh, my booking agent said he was out in front of house, and there's this lady out in front of house, and after everything I said, she goes, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, she's <laughs> clapping, and he goes, yeah, and I'm married to, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you go, boy, and yeah, I got four girls, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, and I'm still able to be attracted to other women. She goes, oh, no, <laughs> oh, no, and uh, the lighting guy on the Mercy Me Tour, every night, I guess he would get on the radio and be like, I don't understand this song. Huh. I don't. Why is he doing this? Wow. This is a terrible talk. This wow. Is bad. He did. This isn't good. Huh. Like he shouldn't be talking about that up there. Mm. And uh, and then like on Facebook after the first night on Mercy Me's talk is like, did anyone else find that song about marriage really weird? Like I don't understand. And then this other lady chimed into her on the Facebook page and she goes. Well, I think what he was saying is that some people might struggle with feelings for other. I mean, I never have. Oh, I've been married 50 years and never been attempted oh, blah, 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 day in my life. And it, yeah, I absolutely think. Um, but uh, there's a great, great quote on preaching by Frederick Beekner. Bring some Beekner. I'm, I'm a big sure Beekner you fan. know Beekner. I love Beekner. And he talks about. They may want that, like the congregation may want that from you. Yeah. They may want this certainty. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if that's all you bring them is this like <laughs> fake preaching, they don't ever really trust you. Mm. They said, a preacher who's just saying everything's great all the time is like a ship captain standing on a boat that's being tossed about by the waves and saying everything's fine. Mm. It just, it reeks of... Falsity. Yeah, right? pretty pretty soon the people on the ship are looking at the captain like, are you disconnected from reality? Yeah, you're right. a lunatic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they need to know that the captain of the boat is actually in the ship with them, mm-hmm. right? And so that's the job of the of the preachers to say, hey, I am I have been buffeted by these waves mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, you know, and that's why there's hope. It's yeah. because uh, you know if 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 a guy's like up there going. You know, I've never, ever been tempted to look at pornography my entire life. At that point, I go, cool, I probably can't learn anything from yeah, you. Yeah, right. Because you right. don't understand what it feels like to mm-hmm. want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we admit the, I, and I think the important thing for at least my experience has been in the church, growing up in the church and playing music in over a thousand churches is we don't understand how to differentiate between feeling and wrongness. A lot of people equate having a feeling about something as that's wrong. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, for instance, I'm learning this stuff. Um, you you read any Chip Dodd? He's got a book called Voice of the Heart. Uh, our I mean, mutual friend Seth keeps trying to get me yeah, to read him. It's yeah, psychotherapy, yeah, yeah. Yep. but... Yep. He he teaches you to like name what you're feeling. Yeah. And he kind of says like break apart what you're feeling into primary colors, right? Okay. So a lot of the f- things if you if I say how are you feeling, you would respond in a 
um, secondary color. You would say something like, oh, I feel awkward. Okay. Well, that is an emotion that you can't actually feel. Okay. So he's got it listed into these, like, he calls so them. primary like, level feelings and secondary. And, yeah, okay. yeah. And, so what's and, a primary and feeling? And the goal would be to, he, he, he breaks it down into eight primary feelings. Okay. And some of them are fear, uh, lonely, hmm. sad, angry, uh, glad, um, shame, guilt. Right. And he, and he says, when you can name those things. So instead of saying, I feel awkward. If you say, man, I feel afraid when you do that. And I feel really lonely with you. Suddenly you can actually feel that feeling. Yeah. Then if you say, I feel awkward, Mm -hmm. that's sort of like, I don't really know what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, and to realize if I feel sad or I feel lonely, I actually, that's not right or wrong. Yeah. It's what I do with that that is, was where my decisions are made of. So, for instance, I was, I was on the Mercy Me tour, and there's a, a tour manager guy who's walking out of the buses, and I walk by him, and, and it's the fourth day we've been out, yeah. and he goes, hey, Mike, how you feeling? And I said, man, I feel sad and lonely. What's what's the first thing he says to me? And obviously, like, he hasn't been studying this stuff. He's he trying says, to talk you out of it? Or? Yeah, exactly. He okay. says, don't feel that. It's the first oh, thing out of my mouth. Don't yeah. feel that. Yep. That's wrong to feel that. And I said, do you think, do you want me to be a lunatic? I said, I've been away from my wife and girls for four days. If I don't feel sad and I don't feel lonely, mm. something's wrong with me. Wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So in some ways to say, I am not attracted to any other women hmm. that actually I would say there's something wrong with you in that you don't actually appreciate hmm. other women that you it's, it's like this. It's like when people have to burn CDs of secular music, hmm. there's actually a stronghold there that they just can't, I can't look at them. I can't hmm. interact with them. I can't do anything with them. And that that's kind of how I feel when people go, Oh, I'm not attracted to anyone else. It's like, I don't even appreciate anything in anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Are you familiar with uh, Pete Scazzaro, emotionally healthy spirituality in church? No, but I like those words. Yeah. He's a pastor from the East coast. Um, he wrote a book called emotionally healthy spirituality and then another one about churches and just kind of gets at all of the, um, or a number of ways that like some of our Christianity, some of the ways we think about our faith is actually really emotionally unhealthy. Oh yeah. And he's just trying to kind of recover that in a really holistic way. And, uh, he's got like a version for church staff to work on and, Everything from like good conflict in a church, yes, to like naming yes. like doubts. What's his name? Pete Scazzaro. Pete Scazzaro. Yeah, that's worth checking out. Yeah, that's a great name. So, uh, so you do um, marriage stuff. Um, you've got counterfeit. That's the one where you're kind of um, getting at like digital temptations. Is that mm, right? Yeah, mostly porn. Yeah, say and, more about and that. And sort of, I guess you could say it's like um, promiscuous sex hmm. in that. Uh, I kind of feel like pornography and promiscuous sex are kind of stemmed from the same idea that you're like, you're wanting this intimacy, but you don't want to give anything of yourself. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'll give you my body, but I don't want to give you anything else. So Uh, commitment, vulnerability, intimacy, all that other stuff. Yeah. 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 You want the feeling, but you don't like, so that's where I say it's like a counterfeit. Uh It's sort of like a fee. It's a fiat currency, right? It's, it's not backed by anything. Yeah. Um, what about, uh, <laughs> he smiled at that. The fiat currency thing. I didn't fiat see that currency. coming. That was good. I mean, I guess, I guess dollar bills are fiat currency, even yeah. if they're not counterfeit. So, 
maybe the song should have been called Fiat Currency. But, <laughs> but I then even fewer people would listen to the album. <laughs> the whole first verse is about getting off the gold standard. <laughs> I think that would really make some headway in the radio. Tell, radio tell me world. where uh, Love Anyway comes from. Or You talk about politics and people, or policies and people. You talk about division. Yeah, oh man. I'm, I'm, I've been super inspired by a group called Preemptive Love. Yeah, this is um, Jeremy Courtney's work. Yeah, okay. man. Those guys, just the way they speak into things, just the refusal to sort of make an enemy out of people. Hmm. And I, and that was just so inspiring to me. And and we were writing this song uh, with John Fields in his studio. And John, he worked with us some, on some other things. But, you know, he's not a Christian. He's Jew, agnostic Jew, probably. Um, and it just makes for really great conversations when you're writing songs with him around. Cause you're going out, how can I speak this truth in a way that connects with you? Where I, You know, and, and immediately, you know, we're talking, he's like, Hey, you feeling the burn? You know, he's talking, <laughs> talking about Bernie Sanders and, and we, and the thing that's just broken my heart over and over, I, our family last Christmas got in like one of the biggest fights because our family uh there's there's some in the blue and some in the red and and you start talking politics and it's it's like throwing baking soda and vinegar in a is it does that make a combustion baking soda and vinegar like the volcano thing for kids yeah <laughs> we got i need to try i need to try that later um Pop rocks and Coke, right? Don't try they, this at home, Didn't kids. they tell you like your esophagus would explode if you did pop rocks and Coke? Um, it was bad. You're saying the, poli- the political yeah, conversation I'm, was I'm bad. I'm saying the combination of our family yeah. created a, a political explosion of sorts. And I was reminded when we started writing the song of, of uh, you know, we're not actually allowed as Christians that I can tell is we're not allowed to have enemies. Hmm. Right, I mean, Paul infamously says, you know, you don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Mm-hmm. And yet, we have such a team, us versus them, conquer, win, that it blows my mind. And I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, if you vote differently me, that doesn't make you my enemy. We're not on different team here. We're, from what I can tell, I'm a citizen of a kingdom way before I'm a citizen of a country. Hmm. And um, so, yeah, that's the thrust of that song is just kind of getting back to that. Um, I, Billboard did this article, Thoughts from CCM Artists on Donald Trump. Oh, gosh. Okay. This is before the election, a couple of years ago. They asked, they said 50 CCM Artists, Matt Marr and myself were the only ones who even agreed to interview with them. Oh, wow. People are just afraid to touch it. Yeah. <laughs> just like, we, I can't get near that. Mm. And, um, what'd you say? I just said, man, I, I love Donald Trump because it's more and more clear that there's no such thing as a Christian candidate anymore. <laughs> <laughs> how'd you know, that go it went great well the billboard guy he 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 was cool with it you know um but i just i i would really love to see a day where we're um 
we really believe that the kingdom of God is more important than your natural citizenship. Yeah. So uh, I caught a couple little like interview clips with you or whatever and heard some of your summary around um, like the love anyway kind of big idea, right? Um, and at first, like I, I was actually like I was feeling a little conflict um, because yeah, tell like me. like as a as a pastor myself, like I, we started our church like during the election. We didn't plan on that, but like like I feel like we kind of decided to become a spiritual community, a, a faith community in the midst of a really challenging time when things are really divisive and. I didn't anticipate how quickly that would start to translate into our community unless we proactively let out of that, like let away from that kind of division. Right. So like I've been feeling that at the same time, um, like I've been feeling this, this, this tension between we really don't have teams. Like we, we really are for everyone. Um, and I, like, I don't believe Jesus is partisan, right? Jesus isn't Republican or Democrat. Right. Right. Um, but at the same time, like I do believe if by, like I've heard people telling me, Oh, we shouldn't be political with our faith. And I always want to ask, what do you mean by political? Because if by political you mean how we use our power and the world that we're creating, I feel like oh. Jesus really cares about how we use our power oh. in the world we're creating. Oh, I mean. So and what I was just going to say was yeah. like, my thought with you, Mike, is I've seen you actually really stick your neck out. And I really yeah. respect that. I've seen you not shy away in the last few years um, to really challenge some policy issues with your platform. And that's um, remarkable to me. Oh. And I'd love to hear what that's been like for you. No, yeah. So maybe I need to. I, mean, I don't. Go, no, go ahead. No, yeah. I, I feel like yeah. I need to um, clarify in that. Really, what the song is about isn't about not being political. The song is about if you are political, refusing to hate anyone. Yeah. While being political. Yep. That that's really the challenge. Yeah, and I don't. And I don't the know. The challenge that heard... is how to disagree without. Yes making you my my obstacle yeah and to be fair i don't know that i've heard you say anything otherwise i think i'm oh, just yeah, when yeah. other people start going on the whole well, we're christians we should just love sometimes what I've, the next move i see people make yeah. is and then you shouldn't have any posture toward any policy or anything like that because that's too quote-unquote political yeah and so i just appreciate you um holding that nuance you know well the reason people turn down billboard to talk about mm-hmm. um Trump is a lot of artists aren't trying to be humans. They're trying to build a brand, right? Yeah. So they can't talk about their opinion on things because that's only going to lose them certain fans. Right. Sure. Yep. And for them, it's not worth it. It's like, what can I talk about that? the most number of people will like me Mm, and the most number of things, because at the end of the day, I'm not trying to be human here and have nuance. I'm just trying to be a brand. Mm -hmm. And for me, like, yeah, like I spoke up about refugees a while back and it was beautiful. It was beautiful watching people say, I can't follow you anymore because I get to go, Oh, cool. Well, now I know who wasn't really following me to begin with. They were, just, oh, they were just agreeing with you. They were just following themselves. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you're not going to be in relationship with me, as soon as I disagree with you, then you were never in relationship with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yep. To be in true relationship is to give the other person the freedom to disagree. Yeah. Right? Yeah, dude. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, when you talk about like artists building a brand, um, 
I wonder a lot about, so I've got a number of friends who work like in your space, right? Like in Christian music. Um, and I have a ton of respect, uh, for what they put out in the world. And at the same time, I, I feel some like sympathy, um, because I feel like, like I know as a pastor, there's a version of this for me. And then, um, as, as an artist slash, uh, brand, there's a tension for you that like, uh, you you're in the, you've got a record contract. You, you've got to deal with a record label that you're going to make a product. Right. Yeah. Um, but we also call you artist. Like we don't, yeah. we don't tend to refer to you as a brand. We tend to refer to you as an artist. Right. 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 Um, and I wonder sometimes about like, when I think of art, one of the first things I think of is pr- prophetic. Mm. Um, and I, I mean, I was in the middle East a couple weeks ago and we were looking at Banksy on the, on the wall. And I was like, that is prophetic man. In all sorts of ways. Um, so when I hear artists, I think prophetic, um, speak uncomfortable truths, do it in creative and subversive ways, create new possibilities for the future through the image that you create, all that stuff, right? When I think about brand and like Christian entertainment or whatever, it can be hard to see how that always fits into that. Um, but as long as you and I have known each other, I've heard you really thoughtfully kind of wrestle with that out loud. Like our conversations often dig into some of that. Yeah. I'd love to hear a little more from you just about how you think about the tension for you because I mean, you guys have payroll at your band, right? You got families that are counting on paying the bills. Um, and yet you also, I, I, I see in you like a preacher's heart, like there's a prophetic energy well, in you. Yeah. There's a, there's a thing where if you disagree with people too much, too long, they turn you off. Mm. Like what are the algorithms now where people don't, they go through their timeline. Oh, like how quickly will they just move on? Yeah. 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 I mean, it is harder and harder these days depending on what news things you've liked in the past or looked at in the past, Google is calculating that and they're putting more things in front of you that you're more likely to agree with. Mm. So it's getting harder and harder to actually hear viewpoints that are different than you. Yeah, like the internet, the one place where we thought we were all going to get exposed to more diverse opinions is becoming the place where your echo chamber just gets bigger or deeper. Yes, exactly. More more narrow and deeper. Exactly. And so the, the, the struggle I have, right, is... If I'm just putting my fingers in the wound over and over, there comes a point where people go, I don't want to hear that anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's that. There's always that tension of, it, like even in a set list, you do this, right? So when you do a set list, you don't do six really slow songs in a row. Right, right. People get bored. Yeah. I've been to some of those shows. Some people do, and they're terrible. Or, or, or to put it this way, a great drama, mm-hmm. what's it got peppered throughout it? A little joke here and there, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Bra- Braveheart, you know, always a great cinematic lynch point. Lynch point? I don't know what I'm <laughs> saying. It's been a long day. You're doing great, man. Keep going. Um, <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, the Irish guy. There's, you know, Ireland. It's mine. <laughs> you know, I think it's Scotland. Do, uh, no, no, there's <laughs> an Irish there guy. One? There's an Irish guy, the crazy Irish guy. Oh, oh in Braveheart. I, sorry, in I haven't Braveheart. seen Braveheart in like 15 years. Yes, okay. Ireland is Scottish. Okay. Yeah, Braveheart. <laughs> Bra- I said Ireland is Scottish. Braveheart is Scottish. There was an Irish guy who's okay. crazy that provides a lot of comedic. Got it. He kind of breaks in at the right moment just to release the tension. So the the thing I'm trying to say is I'm always feeling that tension. I'm sure as even as a pastor, you get too, too heady or too low for too long and you lose people. So there's that, like, I'm all about being prophetic, but I'm also about at what point is it like, "Eh," they just aren't even hearing me anymore. Mm -hmm. So there's always that balance, right? Of you're like, yeah, yeah. I need to entertain you. I need to get your attention. 
and now I want to tell you something true, mm-hmm. but how much can I tell you before mm-hmm. you're done? And depending on the audience, it's very different. Yeah. Right? I wonder too about discernment, right? Like I think I, 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 I can see how you could slip into a mode where you just become the, like, and I, I feel this temptation as a preacher all the time. Like you, yeah. you, you can tell what the room wants to hear. And there's the, like, oh, that feels really good when the room yeah. likes what you're saying. So there's that temptation. And then I've also seen this other thing, which is you recognize that's a problem. And then you're like, I'm just going to speak the truth, man. And like to a point where it's like, well, nobody's ever listening to you. There's no discernment in how you're saying it or when you're saying it or who you're saying it to, right? Like, and I, I, I sometimes I feel like underrated in that whole equation is, is actual discernment. Like actually like maybe the Holy Spirit's going to help me figure out when to pick my spots, right? Yeah. And there oh. might be a moment here and there where you realize this is a moment to cash in my chips, right? And, and push a little bit. Yes. Yeah. So an example I dressed up as Harry Potter for Halloween. I think I saw this. Okay. I saw the, po- tell the story, but I saw the post. I was like, Oh Mike. All yes. right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, um, obviously I just welcome a whole cascading, of just criticism after criticism of Christians don't participate in Halloween. We definitely don't participate in witchcraft. Like I'm leading my children and this whole generation astray. And, and I, I'm, I'm pleased to report it's taken me this long in my life to get to this point. But as I started responding to people, typically I just feel my blood boiling and I can feel myself writing back to make them feel so bad or so dumb. Like to hit back. And this was the first time I went, I wonder what, I wonder why they actually would say that. So it's true. Okay. How can I say this in a loving way? And how can I not worry about winning this argument? Wow. Yeah. And it was huge. And some of my friends, they point out, they're like, I went, I went through and I read the comments. You're maturing. You're getting there. (laughs) You, you really were handling. I don't always handle it this way, but in this instance, they said you handled a lot of these comments very gracefully. And I said, I think it's because I'm, I'm just in this instance, I wasn't worried about winning the argument. And when you're not worried about winning the argument, that frees you up to actually love people. Yeah. Yeah. And you still tell them the truth. There's this great guidance. in, um, I think it's in first Timothy where it says, um, speak the truth in love. like rebuke those who disagree with you in a tender way. The word is tender. Mm -hmm. And he says, I don't know what the actual Greek is, but tender way, perhaps God will grant them the truth that leads to repentance. And I I remember, you know, we were getting, um, we were getting picketed in Louisiana. Oh really? Our rock show. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's always a group down there. What, and, uh, what was the gist of what was on the pickets? Uh, the you know, these bands, they listen to rock and roll, rock and roll. Oh, uh, kind of the general, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This kind of music can't be Christian. Yeah. And I went down there and that verse went through my head. Like it, and I went down and I tried to reason with them, you know, I was like, whoa, it's like these songs are from the devil. I go, do you like amazing grace? Well, of course I go, you know, that was written to a bar tune at the time. That's a lie straight from the devil. You know, that's what he said to me. I go, okay, well, this, we might need to be done here then. <laughs> but when you, I remember going, my job is to speak the truth tenderly 
and it's not up to me to actually have to change their mind. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that, that kind of makes it. Yeah. And I, I think, I feel like that's palatable. strong, whether you're a, a Christian rock star on a stage <laughs> yeah. in front of 10,000 people or like whether you're maybe a parent, like seeing your kids, uh, make mm. some bad decisions or whether you're a friend, like trying to love your friends. And like, I feel like that plays really broad, right? When you give yes. up, like having to change them, having to force them, having to fix them, then it opens up a very different energy. Yeah. Anxiety. Yeah and pressure and fear and anger. There's a peace that comes when you go, Oh, I'm doing my job telling the truth and loving. And you're going to have to choose at the end of the day. That's not mine to do for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you call easy, easy, easy for me to say my girls aren't 16 yet. We'll see how, we'll see how <laughs> we'll that, check goes. that in a few yeah. years and see how that's going. How old are your girls? My oldest is nine. Girls so is nine. I got seven years to 16. Yeah. So if, uh, Luke, the, uh, show owner or here, you guys would bond. He's got three girls. They're, he's, he's wrapped awesome. up all around those fingers. I think we oh, can, yeah. so oh, yeah. it's not a secret to anyone who knows or follows Luke or has met him for more than 10 seconds. So, oh yeah, my girls own me. I got four of them. So, oh, man. um, uh, hey, tell me who are you? Uh, who are you reading right now? That's got you really lit up and inspired. Who who's lighting me up? Besides your manuscript. Oh <laughs> man! Well, no, no lie. Frederick Buechner has that daily meditations book called um, "Listening to Your Life." It's just excerpts from all his stuff, mm-hmm. and it's broken into three hundred sixty-five readings. Yeah. Um, so on the leap year, you're kind of you got to you got to figure out. But um, <laughs> dude. That Freddie, Freddie B, man. Whew. Yeah. And I just started Thomas Merton's biography, Seven Story Mountain. Oh, yeah. It's an autobiography. Is it right? Yeah. Like he wrote it? Yeah. 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 Have you read it? No. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it just I just feel like I'm reading an, like an amazing novel. Oh, wow. I'm like 50 pages in. Yeah. But I just started that. That one is going to be dynamite. I can already tell. What about, um, what about Beekner Do You Love? Man, he makes me feel like Jesus is attainable. (laughs) (laughs) Say more. Like, so many guys, they talk about God and spirituality, and and it has no form. And all his spirituality, it's so tactile and muddy and concrete, you know, like Greek Western thinkers, we think in abstracts, right? Like if I say God is, you fill in the blank. God is omnipotent. Or, yes. Yeah, God is like love. Right? God is powerful. God is yep. strong. You ask an Eastern thinker, mm-hmm. Hey, God is fill in the blank. Well, like the Jewish writers, God is Eagle's wings. Mm-hmm. God is a fortress. God is a shield, right? Concrete images. And, when Freddie B starts riffing, bro, it's just concrete. Just yes, God is in this the leaves of this plant. Oh, yeah, I I'm crushing on Freddie B real hard right now. I feel like that speaks a little bit to um, where you come from as a writer, too, right? I mean, yes. Um, I think I told you the story before, but uh, uh, it's years ago now, I guess. Um, I was having like a really, really difficult time and I was specifically looking for a tangible feeling that God was with me. Yeah. Like I believed it theologically and theoretically, but none of that mattered because I was really just struggling. Right. 
and uh, another mutual friend of ours, Matt Engel, who's uh, in promotion, or he was at the time. Yeah, yeah. Fr- frankly, I hadn't heard of you guys yet. This is years ago. And uh, he was like, hey, man, this is super random. I was literally at home praying about this, and I get an email about 10 minutes later. Just this is super random. And he didn't know what I was going through or anything. He's like, I just, I'm repping this new song. Thought of you. Thought you might like it. I was like, okay, whatever, Matt. <laughs> and I hit play, and it was by your side. Mm. And it wrecked me, man. Um, which is, it's a really tangible expression of God, um, God's sort of with us nature in Christ. Yeah. That became really concrete for me. In a That's moment amazing. where like, I had plenty of abstract ideas about uh, theoretically God being present, but that song was, was a real gift, man. So Ugh. I can understand why you like Beekner, and uh, that's also like a real tribute to your work and your ministry. Um, I'm thrilled for the new album. Like, you know, I've talked before, so I know this isn't like new for you and me to talk about, but, um, well, a phrase that keeps coming to mind for me right now is like three-dimensional spirituality. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not trying to be like um, clever. I just, like, I think the Bible is very three-dimensional, right? Like, it has room for all the things that you're naming in these songs. Yes. I think a lot of our churches and a lot of our entertainment... And a lot of us have been like maybe running away from that, or we were told you're not supposed to seek that, or somebody like introduced us to a, like a one dimensional spirituality and said that's what uh, it means to be Christian. Uh. And the Bible seems like it's actually this really really spacious thing, right? Where there's room for um, for uh, this is my temptation, and this is what's broken in me right now, and this is what I'm afraid of, and this is what I'm running from, and yes, there's all that yes. in there, which I feel like is God's way of saying we can work with all of that, right? Let's name it. Let's get it out there. And I feel oh, like with yeah. this with this album, and that's why I'm really excited about it. And I'm grateful that you guys are uh, putting it out there and changing your definition of success, at least at least for this project. So thank you for that. It's uh, the tension between two truths. I read a great article one time. Just scripture is full of the tension between two truths, mm-hmm. and the more we can start realizing that. Man, I just think we'll be more gracious with ourselves and with each other. What well, uh, two truths? I think I hear you, but unpack that just a little bit. Uh, I'm full of doubt and full of faith. Yeah, yeah, right on. Yep. I'm full of hope and full of sadness. Yeah. Right. Uh, God, Jesus was God and man. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, I'm. I am becoming heaven, or I'm becoming hell, hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah. on and so forth. You know, it's funny too. I was thinking earlier, um, we talked a little bit about the industry or what sells or whatever. And it was funny to me. I was just thinking about, um, how some of the, like the, maybe the forefathers of Christian music, I was thinking of Rich Mullins, Keith Green and Larry Norman. Yeah. And two truths like saturate their writing. I feel like those are like some early truth tellers that oh, I feel like yeah. they created just incredible sort of spacious, expressions right like I, I i grew up on rich mullins all the way and like he would have these like songs that were just unapologetically like full of faith and full of praise and then oh, yeah. next track oh, would God be like is an awesome God. <laughs> yeah totally yeah that one and some others um <laughs> yeah and then he would just be really really candid about like um what's the song we're not as uh, strong as we think we are we're yes. frail we're fearfully yes. wonderfully made forging the fires of human passion choking on the fumes of selfish rage. And with these are hells and our heavens, so few inches apart, we must be awfully small and not as strong as we think we are. It's hells right and heavens, right, yeah, there. Yeah, right there. Yeah, Bye anyway, I, I see you like in that uh, legacy with the work that you guys are doing. So thanks for that. Thanks. thanks for making time tonight. I know you had a very long day. No, this is wonderful. But you gave some this time to me. The way and, uh, I would rather end my night than love it. 
Staring at a TV. Love it. Staring at your beautiful face. <laughs> that the glad, people can't see. I'm glad that we could do better than uh, Netflix for you tonight, man. Yes. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.